Hello and welcome to the formal review. Today, we will be having a very special episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey everybody and welcome back to the formal review. This is episode 40. Yes, yes, I know it's been a while. There's just been a lot going on in my personal life and at work and just a lot of things going on and I just have had so much to do that I haven't had time to review movies and sorry to keep you all waiting but time that I say I'm gonna put out a review I'm gonna put out a review now because there's so many that I've said at this point I can't do one episode for each movie I just don't have the time so what I'm gonna do in this episode is give kind of just a quick review of 2019's movie season so far and then at the end kind of give my thought on my top five so far I think honestly once you hear what I have to say about some of my films that you're gonna know which one is number one but the rest of them I still think are kind of up in the air at this point so before I get started there may be some spoilers but with a lot of these films any listeners of this have had enough time to watch so let's get started the last time I did an episode it was a while back and it was for Captain Marvel I've seen a lot of good movies since then and I've seen some stinkers too so we're gonna get into it we'll start at the beginning from Captain Marvel on and we'll talk about all of those films and I will give you my full rating for them now my rating, if you, this is a new episode for you all, is out of five bow ties. Also, as most of you all know, I do also do retrospective reviews when it comes to leading up to sequels. I do like a whole marathon of films that lead up to it, and I've kind of given my thoughts on that on social media. So I'll give you my quick overview of the series beforehand, but that's really it. And I'm also not going to go into the plot of the overall film because I'm assuming at this point that you've seen it so you kind of know the general idea. So I'm just going to give you my thoughts on the overall film and what I liked about it, what I didn't like about it, and that's really it. I'm not going to analyze the film, I'm just going to talk about it. Just look at the three things that I really care about and that's the direction and the story which is most the message and whatever have you and also the characters were they relatable and were they fun to see and then I'll talk about some of the flaws that I had with the film but let's get into the review so the first film I'm going to look at is Shazam now it is the newest installment in the DCEU or for what's left of it I guess and I had a really good time with this film I saw it at a screening I thought it was really good the story was entertaining I really enjoyed the message of family and and honestly, it really did feel fairly grounded in comparison to a lot of the other DCEU films. It's not dark by any means, and there is some mystical aspects, but that's not the front end. And I think what also added to that was that this film takes place in Philadelphia. Myself living in Philadelphia, that added some realness into it. There are jokes in there that you really only understand if you've been living in Philadelphia for a long time, or you have lived in Philadelphia for a long time that added a lot more to the realness of this film but also the fact that this movie is taking place in a city that is well known if you look at Wonder Woman this is a city that won in the past and then too it has on the mascara there's a lot more fantasy there Batman vs Superman and Man of Steel is metropolis there's not really real life cities and then obviously with Aquaman it's in Atlantis for the majority of the movie. And Suicide Squad, I honestly don't even remember where it takes place. That doesn't matter. Shazam takes place in today's world. That really makes this film feel very rounded and authentic. The message, like I said, is great. I thought all the acting from everyone was a fun time. I liked the villain. I'm not saying he was a strong villain by any means, but I thought it was fun. The director comes from a horror background, and you kind of see that in some of his monsters, and I thought that was such a cool aspect. And that's one of the things I liked about Aquaman too, 
was that the directors come from a horror background, so when it get, starts to get dark a little bit, these films have a really kind of horror aspect to them. Even though this movie is not that. It's a family film and that is the message of it. And I really like the twist at the end. I gotta say I wasn't expecting it and I thought it was a great thing that that was not revealed in the trailers. I do think the CGI at times was a little iffy. I don't know if that was from the screening that I saw it in or it just looked iffy but it didn't feel right with the movie. It was an overall good film and I think it's one of the best of the DCEU and that's why I would rate this a 4 out of 5 bow ties. Now the next film I'm going to look into is Us, the second film by Jordan Peele. Now, this film I thought was absolutely brilliant. Now, I was a big fan of Get Out. I loved the message in that. It was one of my top films of that year. Now, this film I think is such a brilliant follow-up to that. The script is phenomenal. The direction is some of the best that I've ever seen in a really long time. And the acting is on point. Lupita, I think, deserves at least a nomination for her portrayal in this role. She is so fantastic. And that goes to everybody in this. When they play their doppelgangers, they all do phenomenal jobs. I do think Winston Duke could have done a little bit more and wasn't the joke as he had to be, but I still think he was really good. The kids in this film are great. There's just so many great things about this film that really, when you look at it, it's really hard to pick flaws at it. The message will have you thinking when you stop watching the film. It was such a great experience. I bought this movie as soon as it came out on Blu-ray. Now, I also saw this film in a Dolby theater at AMC. Now, that was such a great experience. Much better than IMAX, much better than RPX. This is the way to see movies. If you have a theater near you, I highly recommend you go see that. Now, I'll go into another theater experience in a moment, but I think that for the best sound quality, that was the absolute best movie going experience that I've ever had. Honestly, the only flaw that I had about this film was really the fact that they don't really go into the background as much as I would want to about the doppelgangers. They kind of say it in a one line that really doesn't give who they are and I think they could have gone into that a lot better and in more detail. I really can't wait for the next Jordan Peele film. That's why I would rate this film a 4.5 out of 5 both times. So the next film is now officially the highest grossing movie ever, Avengers Endgame. Now, for those who have been following me on social media, you know that before this film came out, I did Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch from start to finish, chronologically speaking. So I didn't start with Iron Man. I actually started with Captain America because chronologically, that makes sense that it comes forward. And I think, really, that really sets the stage better. So if you're gonna rewatch the entire thing, if you have the time, I would suggest going back and starting from that aspect because it really brings in Tony's character because Tony starts off, it's just a random character in a real life scenario, right? You don't really know the history. Who is his dad? What, what is all that? What's going on here? So when you take back and you look at Cap's story first, he is able to show why Tony Stark is who he is. Now, I've watched all of the films going up to this. It was a lot of fun, but honestly, I had to take breaks because, man, that was such a tiring time <laughs> because that's a lot of superhero films. But it was all worth it when I got to Avengers Endgame. 
so going into this, I, I really love a lot of the MCU films. More so than I would say a lot of other people. I think certain films I think are much better than others. Some people somehow think that some films are really great and I really just don't get it, such as Thor Ragnarok. What's great about this was that I was able to recollect on my entire ranking of the MCU. Now my top five is pretty much Black Panther at the three cap films and prior to this it was Avengers the first film because here's the thing all of the other films to me are fairly similar there's some unique aspects but there's not a unique thing that really stands them out yeah there's quirkiness jokes and movie soundtracks and all that but at the end of the day for the most part all of Marvel is going to be a relatively good time you're not gonna get an awful movie out of that but here's the thing it's about how you look at the overall picture and frankly a lot of them are just so similar that I like them all the same but I can't distinguish them so at that point what I do is I have to look at a film and say okay base it on the, my experience with the film was it a lot of fun? Do I have a positive memory? Because honestly, that's how they are to me. There's so many that honestly, I would rate the exact same. I look at the film and I say, okay, did I enjoy this when I went to go see it in theater? Did I enjoy it more or did I enjoy it less? It's very subjective, I know, but it's really the only thing that I have to go off of. And that's why I put the first Avengers film up. I saw this with a group of my friends. It was a great time. And I remember that moment for my entire life. Now, Avengers Endgame replaces that. And here's why. I saw this film in 4DX. Now, for those who don't know what this is, if you've been at an amusement park that has a ride that you sit in your seat and you move from side to side as the movie goes, that's what this is what. Some people may think that this may distract you from the overall movie experience, but it doesn't. Each movement and each effect that gets added into it is done within the movie. You absolutely feel every time a ship takes off. You get rocked back in your seat. You feel the air blowing in your face. When Hawkeye slashes Yakuza gangster, you feel blood splatter on your face. Man, it has changed my life when it comes to seeing big movies like this. Now, there are some movies that it doesn't work for, like John Wick 3, but I'll get into that movie later. I love this movie because it was honestly a an overall homage to the MCU. Yeah, it doesn't explain everything, but honestly, there's a lot of problems with the other Marvel films just as much. The villain, I thought, was really, really good, and I think that's always a problem with the MCU films, is that their villains are fairly replaceable. And that's not really the case here in this film, and that's why I really enjoyed it. Is it a great film? No. It's not a well-conduced film. It, there's no really overall good message. It's just an action-packed fun movie. Now, there's a lot of people out there who compare these to the Transformers movies, but I don't think that's the case. It's not just mindless CGI. They are developing these characters over the course of this entire cinematic universe, and that does add a lot into it. But when you look at this movie as by itself, Avengers movie, have they ever been known for being a great film? No, because they're not gonna have character development. They're not gonna have a story arc. They're not gonna have that. But they're going to do what they need to do absolutely perfectly. And that's exactly what it does. There really isn't any other issues with this movie. It does what it needs to do perfectly. But I'm not gonna say that it's the greatest movie of all time because I'm not expecting it to be. It gave you enough of fan service. I think that there was a good amount of action. I personally think that when it comes to the timeline stuff, I think it makes sense. I think Cap, when he goes back in time, he's living during the time that his other himself was frozen. So essentially that there were two 
thieves within the same timeline but one is frozen one is not then when the one gets frozen the cap that we knew that came from the future goes back to the future and is now old that's why i would rate this a four out of five bow ties next film is another sequel it is john wick chapter three parabellum now obviously before this film i rewatched the first two i really enjoyed the first one the second one was good not as good as the first one and this one honestly i thought it was just as good as the second one if not a little better but i still didn't enjoy it as much as the first one i thought the first one had a lot more emotion in it i think this was kind of all over the place and problems with movies like this is that they have to do something that's bigger and better than the last one it's really hard for something to live up now i do think that keanu reeves does another really fantastic job i loved halle berry in this i wish she was in it more she was extremely badass lawrence fishburne was good he should have been in this more as well now my issues with this film is that it's confusing. I really don't understand the whole the whole villain of the adjudicator and then how Winston doesn't care but then he cares. And there's just a lot of things going on that I feel didn't really do anything. And also John Wick gives up a lot in this film for legitimately nothing. For example, he goes to the Russian family, gives up his essentially last birthright to save himself so that he can then go and meet the elder so that he can get non-excommunicado but then he is commanded to kill off Winston but then after all that he does nothing so you're telling me that this man one of the most intelligent fighters in the world does all that and then gives all that up because of this guy's friendship you really think that he didn't think about that before doing all this and then at the last second he forgets about it and then just gives in to him i just think that that was such bad writing honestly it was extremely lazy and i really wish i enjoyed this film more because the action i thought was great the stuff on the horse was so fun to watch. I thought that there was some really great action in this, but the writing was very, very bad. But I did have a good time watching. Now, this is a type of film that I don't advocate to see as much in 40X. But at the end of the day though, John Wick, I had a good time. Definitely rating this a 3.5 out of 5. So the next film is the first Disney film on this list. And this one is the Aladdin film. Now, I was very skeptical about this film going into it because Guy Ritchie is very, very, very unique when it comes to his style. And I didn't think his style would mesh very well when it comes to Aladdin. And honestly, when it comes to a lot of these live action films, these Disney animated classics, I do think that there's a lot motivated by just trying to cash in on nostalgia and I don't see that much of a point to it. Now the cast definitely did intrigue me. I like Will Smith. He is a good actor. He is a lot of fun usually and but I was skeptical about him as well. Not really because of the blue thing and not really because he's obviously a very different type of person than Robin Williams but really because Robin Williams is so iconic as the genie. So much so that like when they did other shows and movies with the genie they had to get somebody who could emulate Robin Williams and before I saw this film I rewatched the three movies that these Aladdin movies take place in obviously I watched the original Aladdin then I watched Return of Jafar and then the King of Thieves now obviously Return of Jafar and King of Thieves are they were direct to DVD movies back when they were first released I still watched them because I 
was really wanting to see how they stand up. The first Aladdin film, I thought, does still do a fun job at creating a good movie. Robin Williams is phenomenal. And honestly, the music is pretty great. Is it the greatest Disney movie? No, but it's definitely one of the most fun. Return Jafar? Not so much. That movie's pretty bad, I'm not gonna lie. The writing's not great. Frankly, it really does show that they have a lower budget. It's pretty bad. And we got The King of Thieves. This one, I think, is much better than Return Jafar. I think it definitely continues the story. The budget, when it comes to the animation, is still a bit of an issue. But I think the story is much better because you learn about Aladdin's backstory. I digress. Going into live action, like I said, very skeptical. But I was some kind of excited because this could be cool. Because I like the whole aspect of actually creating a story with people of color. And coming out of it, I did have a good time watching it. I do recognize the flaws in this film. Guy Ritchie was not a good choice for direction. There are moments in this film that have slow motion, and there's no reason for it. With Guy Ritchie's other films, such as Sherlock Holmes, when he uses slow motion, it's to show how Sherlock Holmes is thinking so he can process a punch or this, it's completely stylistic. There's absolutely no point to a slow motion movement. This film had not the greatest development of certain characters, such as Jafar. Yeah, I liked how they added some backstory, and I think, honestly, this film does add a lot to the story, but it doesn't outweigh the problems with this film. The slightly more developed things in the character's story are one-liners here and there. It's not really showing you who the characters are, it's just trying to develop a little bit more but not going too drastically different from the story. I did like how they made Jasmine more of a princess who's trying to become Sultana and not just somebody to be wed. And, and her song I think is really good. Now going into the music, I think that this movie had a lot of decent songs. And the first one is obviously the Will Smith song. And honestly, I think Will Smith was one of the best parts about this movie. No, he's not Robin Williams, but he's not trying to be. And I think that's what really speaks high praises of this film. It is their same storyline, but it's not 100% of the time just trying to be the old film. It does take risks. Will Smith renditions of the famous songs sung by Robin Williams are a lot of fun. He does his own flair. And it's the same thing with the genie character. His character is very different from the original, but in a good way. It's very Will Smithy. If you're a big fan of Hitch or Fresh Prince, he emulates those characters very well in the genie. And I think it works perfectly here. I thought that the acting was decent by the other characters of the movie. Their singing was always the greatest but some of it was better than others I, I did like Naomi Scott as Jasmine I thought she could sing pretty okay Aladdin wasn't the best but there were just some notes that just weren't being hit and I think that they just had to deal with that with the actors it's not the actors fault they usually choose an actor who can sing somewhat instead of a singer who can act somewhat. When you have a musical, you should focus more on the singing than the acting, but that's just me personally. At the end of the day, this film had a lot of problems. The direction was iffy, the writing could have been better. Even though it had some decent new additions and it took risks that didn't always hit, but I appraise it for the fact that it attempted to take risks. And I did like the new things that this added a lot more than a lot of the other films. I, I did enjoy Beauty and the Beast, but honestly, that film is very, very 
forgetful because they pretty much added two new things and then the rest of it was the same. But here's the thing, when it, com it comes out of these live action Disney movies, am I gonna see them again? Probably not. Will I listen to them? Yeah. This one and Beauty and the Beast, I'll listen to them. I like their renditions of the song and honestly, that can be a good thing. But if I had to choose out of those two movies, which one to show my kids when they get old enough to watch Disney movies, I'm not showing them the live action. I'm gonna show them the animated ones because those are much better as an overall film. The rating, then I would say is a 2.5 out of 5 votes. Like it's good, but it's honestly a fairly average film. My next film is a Netflix original. The reason I wanted to go into it was because it is a movie that is a fairly decent film. And it's mainly because it is a romantic comedy that really doesn't get done very much anymore. A lot of the big budget romantic comedies are usually big casts with similar to Love Actually or romantic comedies usually aren't done well. Now this film I do think separates that. And this is one thing that as an Asian American man, I do find when I've watched a lot of romantic comedies in my past there wasn't anyone who really was represented who I was yeah they're good I'm not trying to dismantle the romantic comedy just because it wasn't my ethnicity but this was nice because there's certain cultural things that somebody of another culture may not get with this film I do like the fact that it was a lot more low-key than crazy rich Asians obviously that movie is very very big but this film is a very rounded romantic comedy Ali Wong is hilarious and I do like Randall Park it does fall into some romantic comedy tropes and honestly it is kind of predictable but I think the acting is good the story is well written it's a good time there's nothing really wrong with this film. now does it stand out over other romantic comedies not really but does that make it a bad film by any means no this film was enjoyable it was a good time good acting good story and that's why it really deserves a four out of five both sides so the next film is the second MCU film that I'm going to be talking about, Spider-Man Far From Home. Now, because I had done the rewatch of Spider-Man Homecoming when I did my MCU rewatch, I didn't really watch it up to this. But in short, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good time. I thought the message was decent. I had issues with the way they're doing Aunt May, but I thought the villain in that film was really great. But I had some issues with some of the character choices, such as Flash Thompson, and honestly how they kind of did the whole Spider-Man backstory. Didn't really talk about it very much. I get that we have so many movies, but they never referenced who he was, how he got his powder. But it was a good film. So going into this, I was kind of excited. I was kind of wondering how this film was going to be the end of this infinity phase of the MCU. I think this film is good. Going into this, I like Tom Holland. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. This film had a lot of good build-up that I was kind of excited for it. There are parts of this film were really good. The characters were very well played by Jake Gyllenhaal and Tom Holland. I think they really do work well in their characters. I loved the sequence where Mysterio is changing the surroundings of Spider-Man. Now, and that's a spoiler because yes, he's a villain. But here's the thing, if you went into this film not knowing that Mysterio was a villain, you're not a real Spider-Man. And like Captain Marvel, the twist that he's bad was completely predictable. That was awful. Though there were bits and pieces that were good and Jake Gyllenhaal does do a good job. As a villain, his story is just forgettable. Yeah, it's kind of cool to see how it ties back to Tony Stark, but let's be real here. Who cares? What emotion do I have attachment to this guy? He had his life's worth taken from him and then he wanted to get revenge. 
great. The guy from Civil War had a better backstory and a more reason to want to destroy the Avengers than Mysterio did. This is the problem with the MCU overall. A lot of the villains really stink. And unfortunately, the writing here is not great when it comes to him either. They had so many more possibilities for other villains that they've kind of indicated to in the last film. Though I will say, the twist at the end of the film and the after credit scene, I think that was a lot of fun. And honestly, it's really good to see a specific character again. I thought that was really great. And I'm really curious where they're going to take this story next. For the Spider-Man character, we really don't know because since Sony owns him and we don't know if they're going to get him for a few more movies or not. So we really don't know what's going to happen. The romance between Peter Parker and MJ was a little bit forced on the same aspects of kind of steel what clark kent had with lois lane there was really no development about it if anything it's maybe a realistic portrayal of how romances are in high schools i just don't think it was developed as well as it could and i'm not really a fan of how knowledgeable a lot of people are that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Yeah, I see where that went at the end of this film, but with the amount of people that know, what's even the point of having a secret identity? Now, so many people know who he is because one, Mysterio knew, which means all of those other people knew. So really, that honestly takes away a lot of the emotion from that after credits scene. But it was an enjoyable film, I'll give it that. And I will watch it again when we come back around to it. I will buy it. Is it a great film? No, it's extremely overhyped. It's definitely not as good as a lot of people saying are. I wouldn't say it's as good as Spider-Man 2, and it's definitely not as good as Into the Spider-Verse. It really pushes into the whole idea that Marvel is just really trying to push out as many films that are connected. The stories are okay and they're average, and everyone's going to throw their wallets out to go see these movies. But honestly, are they that great? Overall, no, they're good at most. Some of them do stand out, some of them don't. I do rate this film a 3.5 out of 5 bow ties. So, second to last Disney film, Lion King. Now, before going into this film, I did do a rewatch of the original Lion King 2, Simba's Fried, and Lion King 3, or 1.5, depending on what country you're in. Lion King, the animated film, is a fantastic piece. The score is amazing, voice acting is great, and the singing is pretty much my childhood. So, I know pretty much all of the, those songs by heart. And I can quote this movie. I definitely destroyed a VHS rewinder. Do like how all three of those films take into the idea of Shakespeare. And I think that's one of the most creative aspects of them because you have the first one being Hamlet, the second one being Romeo and Juliet, and the third one being Rosenstadt and Gildesturd, which is a spin-off of Hamlet. That's why I love that series so much. And re-watching it really did make me appreciate that. So going into this Lion King, I was excited for honestly because I was excited for the cast I was glad they got James Earl Jones back I liked the fact that Beyonce was in it I like Donald Glover slash Charles Gambino I love his acting I think he's hilarious his singing is good his rapping is phenomenal coming out of it unfortunately I was very very disappointed I was very underwhelmed and frankly it's mainly because they legit copied the movie word for word so much so that i came out of it and i asked what was the point of that movie they took an animated film made a quote-unquote live action version with use relatively speaking the exact same script they added a few more things which i did think was cool i did like how they added a history behind why the hyenas versus the lions was always a thing. I like little bits that showed 
Nala becoming a leader. The score was decent as it was. I liked some of the casting. I thought Childish Gambino was good. I thought Timon and Pumbaa were well cast. I liked the meta jokes that they had in there. I thought actually that was some of the funniest bits. Seth Rogen was one of the perfect cast for Pumbaa, though he should never sing. Yeah, there were bits where singing wasn't great by him. Timon was played well. I do think Nathan Lane is definitely better, but I did like Eigner as well. All the other cast members, I think, do a good job within their role. And especially, I think, John Oliver as Zazu. I thought, honestly, if they couldn't get Rowan Atkinson back, John Oliver was perfect as Zazu. My main problem with this film is that I didn't feel attached to any of the characters. Any of the characters, the only reason why I felt attachment to them was because of the original film and I knew the story. Not because the characters had emotion. And I get that they're going for the realistic aspect here of lions don't really have human emotion. Yeah, the animated movie did make more of an effort to make the lions more human and that's why you got attached to them. But this is very different because there is no emotion in these characters. They're just saying their lines with a very blank statement. Yeah, there may be a smile here or there, or a laugh, something of that nature, but really, I didn't feel any attachment to this character. I felt very minimal emotion when Mufasa died. There is emotion in it because, yes, it is his father dead, but I don't think that there wasn't any emotion. And even Jandrell Jones, the original one, I felt no emotion. There is a line in the first animated film where he goes, Simba, you deliberately disobeyed me. And in this film, it's Simba, you deliberately disobeyed me. You see the, how the two phrases sound very different? And when you hear them, the way you go down really makes that emphasis more strong. And it's very similar to a lot of the other characters. You don't see emotion in them. So when they're talking about the story, there's no singing, no real anything going on. You sit there, you watch these lions talk to each other. There's no connection. I don't feel a connection to this lion. If there's no emotion in the characters, not a lot of people are going to get attached to it. It seems almost pointless and I think because of how much of the film is word for word it makes it boring because some of the line delivery just isn't as good like I said with James Earl Jones even when somebody emulates a line that's from the original film like for example a lot of the lines with Scar he said a lot of the same line for example at the mouth at the beginning of his scene gave from me goes Zazu you made me lose my lunch Okay, and I care why? Because there was no emotion in it. Whereas with the animated film, you see the animation of the lion of how sad or annoyed is that he lost his lunch. Jeremy Iron does a, does a decent job at portraying a character with sass. Scar doesn't have to have sass, but if you're going to replicate the lines word for word, it's not going to be as good if somebody is not emulating the exact same emotion. And then honestly, this came leading up to it. This movie had so many more additions to the film that were completely unnecessary. Why should I care about this mouse crawling up the Pride Land? Why in the world was that needed? I don't care about this mouse. He's not the point of the movie. Yet we spend about a minute to two minutes on this mouse Crawling up Pride Rock. Fast forward to how Rafiki finds out that Simba's alive. Did we really need to see the journey of a hare going through a giraffe digestive system and how that gets moved all the way to Rafiki? Why was that necessary? Who cares about a hare's journey? That was one of the dumbest parts about this movie. Those two scenes alone were so boring to watch on screen. 
This brings into the problem with these live action films. What is the point? The point is just to gain money off of us. Not to create new films, not to really add anything. This was the epitome of just laziness. Why are we spending all this money to create these live action movies when you don't need it to happen? And then with the things that you do add are completely bogus and completely unnecessary. It's not even trying to take a risk. It's just saying, oh, you did, but we're not really going to do anything. You don't want to change the overall story because the original story was so good good as it was. So you can't change it too much or people will get upset. So you add pointless items to say that you changed it because you added those things, but you're adding pointless things. So it doesn't matter that you change something. But then when they added Be Prepared, I really think they added that scene in this film because there was such a fan uproar to the fact that they were taking that song out. Why they even wanted to even take it out at the beginning, I have no idea because that's unnecessary. Why do you need to take that out? You could redo it in a way that may not make the whole Nazi aspect if that's really what they're worried about. But then they said that they were going to take it out. Fans got mad. They brought it back in a really awful way that it's pretty much talk singing the entire time without any of the flair. This movie was so underwhelming, boring. That's why I would rate this movie a 2 out of 5 bow ties. Toy Story 4. Now, as with all my other reviews, I watched the other three Toy Story movies. And I was looking forward to this film because all the other Toy Story movies are good. My favorite still to this day is Toy Story 2. I like Toy Story 3 a lot. I think it's great. I like Toy Story 1 even more. And honestly, looking at Toy Story 1 and seeing where the animation has come from to Toy Story 4, I think speaks for itself. It shows really how far animation has come. Toy Story 4 really does show it. That's something that Pixar has been doing phenomenally over the years. Now, that Toy Story 3 was a very conclusive ending to the overall story, mainly because it showed toys being passed off onto others. Toy Story 4 does take that a little bit more, is that what happens after that? Toys get lost, toys get, get destroyed, and does a decent job. I think it's the whole idea of looking at retirement. Story's pretty good. I did like how they, they made a villain, but didn't make a villain, really, because the character wasn't a villain. She was just legitimately trying to find a child of her own. I thought that that was a very touching ending for her character. I enjoyed this movie a good amount, but I think that unlike the other films, I think this was just a Woody story. And while that's good and all, the point of Toy Story wasn't just to concentrate on the Woody characters. You had a bunch of side characters, but you didn't really see them really much in this film, or they don't do a lot. What they decided to do with Buzz was really stupid. I really didn't like how big of an idiot they made him. Because in Toy Story 2, when Woody gets taken, Buzz's instinct is to go after him. In this film, he has to speak to his inner self. And while that does add a lot of comic relief, what happened there? How did that change? Yeah, the argument could be made in Toy Story 3. His system was reset and that changed his whole values. But was that said? No. Voice acting, still great. Overall though, I think that this was definitely one of the lower Toy Story films. Not to say it's bad, I just did not think it was as good. And honestly, I don't think it was necessary in the story. But I do still think at the end of the day, it's a good movie. And that's why I would rate it a 4 out of 5 bow tie. So that is all of the reviews that I missed. <laughs> 
Wow, that that was a lot to go through. I know. Thanks to you all for tuning in once again. I, I do appreciate it. I do think that this is a lot to go through. I know, and and it. But before we end it, I'm going to go through my top five movies of 2019 so far. Now, number five is Toy Story 4. For all the reasons I said, I thought it was a fun film and it was enjoyable. It was a good time and I liked it. Number four, Avengers Endgame. Now, for all the reasons that I talked about earlier, I thought it was a lot of fun. And it's just because at the bottom of this list are sequels before the originals. So that's why they're at the bottom. I did enjoy them a lot, but they're not original in my opinion. Next film is Shazam. It is not a sequel. It is a film by itself. Yeah, it had issues, but that it was still really good. Number two is Always Be My Maybe. Now, this film, like I said, is, is a lot of fun. It is pretty standard, but it, but it stands out because it's able to accept other cultures into the romantic comedy genre that a lot of other films hadn't done before. And number one, if you haven't guessed, is Us. I love that movie. And I thought it was very well done. Like I said, I bought the Blu-ray right as soon as it came out on that Tuesday. So that's my top five for the year 2019 so far. I know it's been a long episode, y'all, but I really do appreciate you all for tuning in. I know it's been a while since my last episode. And frankly, I really appreciate your patience on every single episode. Seeing the numbers of you all listening to me really makes me want to doing this no matter what happens in my life. And I thank you all for that. And as with every episode, I always put music in the background mainly to bring attention to the music of the film because it places you right back in the film's atmosphere. Now, I do not own the rights to this music. I'm always looking to grow, so please let me know what you guys think. You can always leave a review on your favorite podcasting service. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, we're on that. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can always hit me up on social media to talk about movies. I'm always willing to discuss things and why certain movies are better than others or why you liked one more than I did or I liked one more than you did. My URL is all the same on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's at the formal review. And until next time, I'll see you at the movies. Take care, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the formal review. We hope you'll join us again.